up. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What's going on, DJ Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the RBC Heritage. As usual, I am here with my partner in crime, everyone's favorite Canadian, Tyler Tambling. Tyler, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good, Kenny. Finally got golf back, man. It's, it's money. We got it back. It was a crazy event. Great leaderboard. The fine, I mean, get into that in a minute. But uh, yeah, the leaderboard was stacked. We got an amazing finish. Some crazy shit happened down the end with the missed short putts on it for everybody. Xander, Morikawa, Berger coming back the other way and got his down and, and then won it. So it was just a nice to have golf back. Didn't really notice a huge change with no fans. And I thought overall it was just a great event. I thought it was an unbelievable event. I mean, it could have just been because golf was finally back. But I mean, that Sunday was just some just some great it wasn't there was great golf bad golf it had everything that you wanted on a Sunday and I think actually when you talk about the crowd the only time I thought I missed the crowd was that back nine on Sunday I mean the roars that would have occurred you know I was roaring at my house I was screaming and yelling like all the bombs that people were making on the back like Xander had those two back-to-back one to say bogey um, you know, another one for, for Bird on the next hole. Morikawa had that, like, 80-foot putt. Spieth was making putts all over the place. Rose was sticking it close. Bryson was in it. You know, Reed was in it. Berger, more. I mean, it was, it was great. Like, I was super excited. The only time that I really missed the crowd was the back nine. And I think that's one thing that you got to think about on that back nine on Sunday. You know, a lot of the times during an event, uh, you know, these guys hear these roars. 
on, on the Sunday, you know, guys chasing the leader or, you know, they know where the roars are coming from. They know what a birdie roar sounds like, or they know when people go, Oh, they can hear that. They know when somebody missed the putt they should have made. And like a lot of the times when you hear those roars, it might do something to the psyche of golfers on the course uh, where they think, you know, wow, this guy had back-to-back roars on back-to-back holes. You know, maybe I need to be a bit more aggressive to catch up. You know, a lot of that, 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 that was the one part that I thought was missing on Sundays. And that's the only, on Sunday in the back nine, that's really the only time where I felt the lack of crowd was a, a factor, uh, uh, you know, there. I mean, the tournament itself was unbelievable. I mean, just the, the ending was, was, was just so many ups and downs by so many different golfers. Uh, you know, I thought someone was going to get the 16, 17, probably run away with it, but it just never quite happened. And those short putts that were missed, um, you know, those were those were excruciating. Like that that one lip out by Xander, like I have not seen like an extreme lip out like that in so long where the ball literally goes around the hole 360 degrees and spits back out the right side of the cup like a foot you know, to the right of the cup, like, it was just brutal, and, like, looking at him on seventh, on the next hole, it really, it really hurt him, and he went back on 18, I think he still had a good chance uh, for, for birdie, and, and he missed that, I felt so bad for him, uh, you know, we saw Rory melt down on Sundays, and that's sort of what we've come to expect with Rory on Sundays, he's either going to beast out, or he's going to flake out, uh, and this past Sunday, it was definitely a flake out, we saw a bunch of missed cuts by a bunch of chalky golfers, uh, it, it was a spectacular event. Uh, you know, let's talk about uh, – you have anything more to say about the event? Well, just, just a couple of points I was going to make. Like you said, the, the crowd it missed for me was big, too, your point for that stuff. And you nailed it with the psyche and the, and the other – of course, we're all happy just to have golf back, so it didn't really matter – for that the big thing for me was what you said like you think back to the masters remember when tiger sticks it to like four feet on 16 or whatever as brooks is teeing off and just the ability to do that and and just go out and have that roar in your background and then put a tee shot like he did right to the middle that was impressive and you just didn't have anything like that and then like you said all the missed putts the bombs the 50 footer from morikawa the you know the lip outs from everybody it was just it would have made it better but i'm not going to complain because like i said we got golf back so uh as far as the dfs sweat goes it was insane because if you were tracking all that stuff, you had guys like Kokrak, Spieth, Rose, Reed, the guys that for some reason just couldn't miss a putt. Berger, uh, just insane on the putts they're making. And then you've got guys like JT and Morikawa. And besides the bomb, Morikawa missed like three other four-footers, including one at the end to push to the second playoff hole. Uh, and then also like JT would just, I think he gained three strokes on approach on Sunday and lost three strokes putting. Just so- stuff you don't expect to see. The Rory point like you made, it seems like you said, boom or bust in or out it was just nuts I did not I did not expect that uh to fall that far back and then the only other thing was just uh the leaderboard thing like I think we're gonna get great leaderboards no matter what and again I'm not complaining I'm excited about that we are getting these leaderboards but it's really tough to not get these leaderboards in these fields like it didn't have Rom, Brooks, DJ, Ricky, Webb you can name all the guys that we thought would be there at the start of the week none of them were there and we still had a phenomenal leaderboard so I'm excited for the golf ahead if, if nothing else it's just gonna be crazy what we get to see yeah, definitely. I, we, we, a couple topics we have to bring out before we get into this week. I mean, first off, Bryson. Uh, you know, just, just okay. So when I first saw Bryson this week, there was a song that came to mind. Like one of my favorite songs is uh, "We Gonna Make It" by Jada Kiss, right? And I think it has one of the best opening lines uh, in a rap song ever. 
and I think it was appropriate for Bryson. So I'll say it was like, so the beginning of the song, it goes like this. It's fuck the frail shit. When Bryson comes in, you got to use the scales that they weigh the whales with. Because that motherfucker was big. He was like Shamu and Free Willy out there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know Jade is talking about below, but I, he could easily even talk. I'm, I'm putting Bryson into this occasion because that's what it reminded me of. Like, he was so, he got so big. And like, it was definitely a little bit of fat, a little bit and a lot of muscle. And, and the most striking part about it was when you saw the interview after the round where they had that little mic where golfers would come up and just talk to Jim Nance or just to the, or just to the people, they had that going up and you, you, you saw him talk. He had like a minute and a half interview. And then right after the interview, it cuts to a headshot of Bryson and like some stat and like the headshot I didn't even think it was the same person. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that dude was so big. And the thing is, like, it's not – I'm not making fun of him because I think it hurts his game because we've seen fat asses ball out in golf all the time. You know, it's like the one sport where you could be, you know, overweight, out of shape, and still do okay. Uh, but I don't think he's out of shape. I just think he gained all that muscle, added a little bit of fat, added that bulk, a little bit of weight, and that boy was just bombing him out there. Like, out driving, like yeah. – DJ by like 30 yards. Like, okay, so Drew B, uh, Colin Drew had this stat on Twitter. He said that the strokes gain off the tee difference. Bryson was one, Xander was two. The difference between one and two was the same as the distance between two and 25. Uh, 25th <laughs> off the tee. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So this dude is just doing some different shit off the tee. And I think it's great for the game. You know, guys, you know, chicks dig the long ball. You know what I'm saying? This is going to bring more golfers there. All the talk about Bryson. What do you think about Bryson in his weight game? Yeah, I thought he was fat for sure. But I mean, who cares? He's jacked. He's big. I don't think he's yoked or ripped. He's definitely, you know, for the guy that used to talk about the six pack, he doesn't have an, I don't got one either. So I can't talk. I had to have been Photoshopped. That picture. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. There's I, I no way, it's, dude. It's the, the problem with me is just the commentary, man. They got to get better. Like I get every time it's old dudes. It's back to old talking heads. Yes. He drank five protein shakes a day. We heard you the first 17 times. And it, honestly, I didn't want him to disappear from the coverage when he did that. Day, I think it was round four when he had like, or maybe round three. I can't remember. He had all those pars and nothing going three, on. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally makes an Eagle. So they had to show him. But my, my point was more like, they got nothing else to say. Like we know it, we get it. Everybody that's watched golf on round three has probably watched somewhere, but I don't know. It's just annoying as hell for my, from my perspective for that, for him, it's great. Like you said, watching him vomit, just the power and energy he's putting behind it off the tee. Absolutely love to see it. That's, you know, just fun to watch. He doesn't even care where it goes because he's going to be fine from anywhere. He's like, we always talk about with guys like champ and Brooks and, and those guys, we say like, you're way better being off with a wedge in from the rough than being 175 yards back with an iron long iron. Right. So yeah, uh, I, I did like that. What was the other thing I was going to say too? I definitely think the softer greens played into play on that. Oh, came into oh, play. Yes, because and I mean, you, you, yeah, because you're not usually colonial. These greens are, aren't weren't that soft, but it was so hot that they had to water the hell out of the greens until Sunday. Sunday, they definitely it seemed like they didn't water them as much because you saw that little sheen and that gleam and the changing of colors occur uh, way more prominently on Sunday afternoon than it did any other round, which I think is the way it should be. You know, on Sundays, you got to make it a little bit more difficult for everyone to see the, the top elite dudes come in and, you know, ball out. Um, yeah. But I, I just know, didn't, I didn't see anyone mention about like too much anyway, about drive, drive for show, putt for dough. Like it was a huge putt. 
that he missed. He would have got into the, ended up in the yeah. eventual playoff. He had so many short misses that it's just, I don't know. We'll talk about him for this week, but man. Well, he was he also, top, to he was also on, like top five, top 10 in strokes game approach. Everything. I know. He had yeah. all the stats. I say yeah. he just couldn't putt. And that's where the funny part comes in is that he's driving it so long. And again, just didn't have a putter this week. We know Bryson's capable of putting. We went through the whole fiasco or whatever you want to call it, the narrative or storyline of leaving the, the pin in. And now the COVID-19 stuff, he kind of has to, I think. Like he doesn't have to, but I mean, it just seems normal for more guys doing it. So I think it's interesting. It's, I want to see what you think about this week and what people do with them, but the Bryson story is good. It's just the other side of, it I think is kind of funny is with our boy, Gary Woodland, you know, one guy, this is the storyline I did like that they brought up a couple of times. You know, one guy, you know, thinks putting on 25 pounds is a good idea. The other guy thinks taking it off is a good idea. And they're both right there in the mix. Come yeah. yeah. I think it just depends on what you what you're trying to do with your game. What Bryson was trying to do. Even Reed said that he lost a little bit of weight and Reed's, uh, Reed's reasoning was because he knew that this is going to be a hell of a run these last 11 weeks. So he thought stamina was going to come into play. And you saw Reed a little bit trimmed down as well. But the way Bryson's thinking, he's like, I'm trying to hit the ball. Like that driver swing looks like you're watching the long drive competition, not like a PGA Tour event. That's like, what I'm saying. So when he swings that parts, ball, it's he swings crazy. that club, it's like when you watch long drive competition, when they're just trying to mash it out there and get what they can for the longest yardage. Yeah, it's exactly what it looks like. I love like. it. <laughs> it's pretty uh, awesome. Yeah, to watch. yeah, I know. So another topic we got to talk about is speed. So if you, if you listen to me on uh, the Gup's Corner E9 pod on Wednesday, the one thing I did say was that I thought Spieth would be in contention uh, Thursday and Friday, uh, you know, and then that he would fade on the weekend. Well, it took a little bit longer for him to fade. Like until the 14th hole where he hit it out of bounds, he was in it. And like the thing is, his game, like it, it's so nerve wracking to watch. I still don't know if he's back or if it was just a fluke event. Like, like, you know, it's better to have speed near the top of leaderboards every week. It's better for the game. But was this just a one-week thing? Or do you think that he could continue on this course to getting better? Oh, man. I almost took my TV off the wall watching it. Like, it just drives me <laughs> it absolutely so crazy. It was crazy, dude. It, it's just so annoying. But it's what he does. And it's so tough to say. When I woke up this morning, my, my first thought is, don't even care the price. You have to fade. It's not sustainable. That's it. But then what happens is that's the most obvious narrative. Every podcast article, yeah. because it shouldn't be. But yeah. the fact of the matter is it's just insane. The run that he just goes on and is around the green game. And putter is always that way, especially when he's getting, you know, 8,700 is a fair price. We're going to get to all that. He's 8k last week. And I, you know, I was the opposite of most people. A lot of people said, you know, bet him fade him in dfs and people were thinking because of popularity but i thought it like 14 percent owned he ended up being over 20 which was yeah, that was, was a little bit mind-boggling yeah. but, but i'm saying the fact of the matter was i get why people say that because it's you know when we're betting him it's us versus the books we're all on the same team yeah. when you're playing him in dfs you have to factor in you know uh, ownership and of course peer-to-peer play so uh, you know on something like DraftKings where we're playing against each other you're saying you want to fade him there but my thing was more of i just i'm with you i don't see him winning i just don't even after this week i still don't see him winning an event and people will say whatever if ends and buts there's a million okay if you want to say those bombs on sunday that he keeps dropping on top of all the other ones that he dropped you know are negated by the four putt you know well he, yeah. if he didn't have that four yeah. putt those when you know you can say any which way the bottom line is he doesn't still have the full complete game now what i will say is you know he has been much better on these shorter courses yeah he showed it again he stands true. This another short course this week. A lot of the comparisons to this week are to last week. Uh, and especially at these, you know, crazy times where we are going off of information from just the week before is all we have besides course history, but it's not so much because what we'll get to that one second. I was going to bring up something about 
uh, course history and narratives and stuff. L let me get there in a second. But the other thing is he was actually pretty good off the tee and on approach. Yeah, he had some bad ones, but it wasn't like terrible, like what we were used to seeing. So I think that plays into it with these shorter courses and the ability to place the ball. I actually don't think he's that bad. And, and this week, I'm not going to be heavy on him or anything, but I think you got to mix a little bit into him versus when I woke up and just said, obviously, I'm not going to play any of them because I think he'll be popular. He could go the other way where everyone thinks they're fading him and then doesn't, or we get the, the double reverse and people do what I just did. But uh, the other thing I was going to say is, and, and it showed big time last week, and it's important for something like this week as well, and I'd mentioned in my Roto-Grinders expert survey, but it, you know, everyone was, there's no way bombers can do anything here. And what people are forgetting is all these trends and whatnot are based off fields that aren't even close to the strength of field that we have. So yes. while Bryson's a bomber, while Brooks is a bomber, DJ's, well, all, Rory, Brom, all these guys, not all of them had great results. My point is more, there was a bunch of bombers uh, throughout the weekend up and around there that definitely can still play, but it's because they have the all around game. So these old trends and whatnot, aren't all going to quite be the same. There's a lot that still stand true. And we'll talk about some of them when we get to the course preview and stuff, but you still have a much better strength of field, you know, than we've ever seen before that makes some other guys come out that you might not think would. I think it's actually better to play speed in DFS and not better because I agree. I don't see a win coming, uh, but I think he could still continue this. I think the one, maybe it doesn't really matter this week that much, but the one thing about speed that uh, I heard about on the weekend is I think he's like second to Bryson in uh, yards gained and driving distance from last year to this year. Like he's gained over 10 yards with his driver uh, compared to last year. And though he still sprays it a bunch, as you saw, on 14 when he hit that thing like 8 million feet out of bounds. Uh, I don't even think we actually get to see it. We had to do shot tracker to see yeah. it. But, I mean, I think that can help him uh, a little bit. You know, instead of having to play, hit that 6-iron, he can hit that 8-iron, uh, you know, and that would make it a lot easier game for him, especially with how good he is around the green with his So putter. good around the greens and with the putter, man. It's just yeah. like every time I think it was a bear off or someone joked about it on Twitter, but it's like, man, you, it's more tilting because every time it's just like the worst case scenario seems like a bogey. And that's the thing. So if he gets through and makes the cut for you at these prices, it actually isn't the worst thing because the upside is there. And then he gets on these crazy runs, but even when he's like playing like shit, it ends up being like a, a bogey at worst. You know, he has to like four putt to make a, a double like that's how crazy yeah. it is i'm just, still not sure if mentally last week was good for him or bad for him i still can't tell because it was such a fucking roller coaster and i made that yeah. big point last week about how he's basically become a mental midget out there you know what i'm saying and i wasn't sure if it, it, what was going on mentally with him because it, it, he would have three bogeys in a row uh, on Sunday and then come back with like three birdies in the next four holes. And he was going up and down. And after he did that, I was like, okay, maybe he can do it. And then he hits it out of bounds on 14. Like, That's I nuts. don't know what he's thinking. Like, is it because he did do well because of this course? Is he getting better mentally? I have no clue. I don't know, but I am going to use him a little bit this week. Before we get into uh, this week, let's go. Uh, let's talk about how we did. Uh, how did you do this past week? Not, not the best. I mean, it was uh, probably down. I think when I calculated down 20% on the week, but the, the sweat was there. I had it. This is what I was talking about. Have you were sweating this in, in the final round? You had something. I was up there in the top five in the 333 three max, which had 10,000 up top. Uh, would have been a good week. Didn't have any milli sweats, but I was making uh, you know, quite a bit of my money back. And then it just, like I said, went downhill. You, you, all of a sudden, you have guys you know, that I just couldn't get behind. You know, Reed, Spieth rows like little bits of them here and there but just not enough and, and they just couldn't miss and co-crack and bubba watson you know talking about guys losing weight and going off the sugar you know it was him 
you know, you talked about Bryson gained the weight, Woodland off the weight, like all these guys up there, and, and he's another one, right? He goes off the weight, now he's performing, he's right back again. So, uh, you know, back in T7, 13 under, it just guys that couldn't miss down the stretch. So wasn't the best week, but uh, definitely had the chance to make a, a great week out of it. It just didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, personally for me, it might have been my worst week ever. Uh, <laughs> I cannot remember, in DFS-wise at least, I cannot remember – the last time I lost more than $400 in a single week. And, you know, it's just, and it, like, including showdown, like I played more showdown because I was tilting. Like usually I play like 20 to $40 a week in showdown. This week I played a hundred bucks and I played like 500 bucks uh, in, in the regular main slate. I lost $433. Like it was horrible. Like I, I, I went over four of my cash game cornerstones. First time that's ever happened since November of 2018. Like, I think I've only had like, a one of four or zero of four, you know, through like four times ever. Uh, I don't know. And, and like, the thing is like all, I, it was just awful. And it was a bunch of chalky picks and it was just horrible. Like, I'm not sure why I would have, I'm blaming the lack of alcohol that I've been drinking for that. So, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do this right here. He's off work, not, boys and I'm girls. Not, He's I'm off work. Going, I'm not going through that again. I'm going to, I'm going to have a drink on Mondays now. I've already had a couple. Uh, you know, because uh, it, it helped me through because it, last week was not great. Now, the only saving grace was um, I, I hit the I, – I, on the Gups Corner E9 pod and also on the Sports Junkies in the D.C. area radio show, um, I put out a bet for uh, Corey Connors' top 20, uh, you know, out there. That hit, he finished 19th. And then Saturday night, I was hammered. I was at some going away party. A couple of my friends were moving west. So we went out to their house. I went out to their house, the going away party, got a little lit. And like I came home, kept drinking. And I guess I made a bet on Daniel Berger the win at 28 to 1. Like, you know, I, I, I had no idea I'd made that bet. And like I was so pissed off about my week that I didn't think anything was going to win except that Connors bet that I didn't even check uh, my book. Uh, and then I looked at my book on like, you know, when everyone was on like the, the back nine, like the 15th hole. And I was like, holy crap. I bet Berger 28 to one last night. I don't even remember. And so that literally saved my week because gambling wise, I think I won like $408. So overall I lost 25 bucks on quite possibly one of the worst weeks I've ever had in my life. I will take that. I was so yeah. ecstatic about that. The, the, so. bet, the bets were the other tilting part. If you remember from the last week's pod, I had like Woodland answer Rose. Yeah. Somebody I else. Like we, all, both all the guys that were... we both had Woodland and Rose. On there as well. Oh, and X. It was, it was X as well. Oh, you of course. had X. 28 to 1. Oh, we had X, Rose, Jesus. Woodland, Answer. You're going God. into Sunday thinking there's got to be somebody here that can come through. Yeah. And that would, again, made my week back. Like, it's just insane. But it, it's the way it goes sometimes. And at the end of the day, like I said, it still was a great event. It's just not, you know, as soon as you see Berger doing that at the end and he makes that one on 18, I'm like, all right, he's winning. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and then, you know, Rose barely missed that putt on 18. Bryson barely missed. Xander barely missed. It could have easily yeah. been a five-man playoff, six-man playoff, which, which would have been, been even better. I would have loved to sick. see that. I yeah, hope I we get that this week somehow. That'd be great. I think we're going to see a lot, with these type of fields that are so like so, so strong. I think you're going to see a lot of clustered leaderboards, and that's going to make for great viewing on Sundays. All right, I think we've gone over uh, last over time on last week already. So let's go to last week's listener league winner. It's why not for Greg. 21. Why not? You didn't win. Uh, he had 582.5 points. Uh, his lineup consisted of Sung JM, who finished 10th. Um, uh, he was 15% owned. Patrick Reed, uh, who finished uh, 7th. 
21.73% owned. Morikawa, 16.21% uh, owned. Berger, he had the winner. What a hell of a lineup. Uh, you know, 10% owned. Adam Hadwin, uh, he finished, what, 43rd, 3.36% owned. And Brian Harmon, who actually played pretty damn well, 11% owned. What do you think of the lineup? Yeah, the, the Hadwin play is really is really strong because even though he finished 43rd and you look underneath at Harmon, who finished 23rd, Hadwin had 75.5 DK points to Harmon's 73.5. So, I mean, just with his two low on guys, that, that's one thing. He probably just listened to the pod and then threw in his favorite Korean, uh, Sungjae, and his favorite Canadian, Hadwin. For yeah, us. Yeah, and and go, that's yeah. pretty much what it looks like. Again, it was quite a decent win. You know, next close was 576. He had 582.5. Already added him to the year-long, the, the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Listener League for our what we're going to have our play down at the end of the year. Really excited for it. We're between, you know, Roto Grinders, Gups Corner, other people in the industry. We should have some really good prizes, some money, some different stuff we're going to do. Uh, but I added him to that league. That'll be at the very end of the season. And then, you know, as far as the Listener League goes, guys, we didn't quite fill it. So I suspect fully that um, DraftKings is going to dial it back just till we get back to that level. But Listen, I know it's not rake-free anymore, but people have to understand, like I said last time, there, there's not much we can do about that. We're not sponsored by DraftKings. It's part of the deal. They've done enough for us to even host that and have it the way they do, fully guaranteed. You know, they took a hit from us last week, which we're, we're sorry for it. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we tried to do what we could to get it filled. So um, this week I'd expect to be smaller, probably around 1,500 people. We'll see. We'll post the link as soon as it comes out. And then keep in mind with the rake, it's well, it's not rake-free. You're getting 10%-ish, right? I think it's just a point more or whatever, or slightly less, um, just over 10. But my point is more that that's what you get in like a $555 tournament. So if you're not buying up to those stakes, you're buying in for $5 and getting that it's still a great deal versus a lot of the tournaments that you're playing in out in the lobby. So we'll get it out there as soon as possible. Nice job to wind up for Greg 21. And we'll see him in the three man this week, the first three man since the return of golf. That sounds good. All right. So let's get to this week. Uh, you know, after one of the most exciting finishes at Colonial Country Club in recent memory, the PGA Tour is just a couple thousand miles northeast as golfers head to Harbortown Golf Links for the RBC Heritage from Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. Harbortown is a 7,100-yard par 71 with four par threes and three par fives, two of which are reachable by most pros. Off the tee, golfers will have to deal with tight tree-lined fairways with thick woods, bunkers, and water being a problem for golfers who miss wildly off the tee. Last year, they did widen the fairways a little bit, but I don't think that's really that big of a deal because of the, the overhanging trees that we have there. So I wouldn't even take into account that they widen the fairways. They're still pretty tight uh, because, you know, because this course is the definition of target golf. If golfers hit on the wrong side of the fairway, you know, they might have a blocked shot, sec block second shot because of all the overhanging trees. Uh, on the other hand, if they miss the fairway, but hit it on the correct side, not in the woods, uh, they'll have an easier approach shot than golfers who hit it on the other side. The fairways are tight, but over 66% of fairways have been hit during a tournament's pass, which is above average, meaning most golfers will be hitting less than driver to place their balls in the right location. Now, we said this about last week, but there was a lot more bombs that were that were on the course than I'd ever seen at, at Colonial. And I think a lot of it had to do with the type of field they had. And a lot of it had to do with the watered greens because they were so soft that these guys felt like they could bomb it out there at Colonial. And with these soft greens, even from the rough, if there weren't any trees in the way, they could still put enough spin on their shorter irons to, you know, to keep it on the greens. Now the, difference on, now, the difference between that and this week at Harbortown is, you know, even if the greens are going to be watered because they're playing this event two months after they normally do, 
Uh, even if the greens are going to be watered and they're going to be softer, there's some hole. There's a lot more danger off the tee. You know, a lot of water. You know, the the the, the fairways get extremely narrow uh, at the 300 yard plus range, and then. You know, if you think about it, there's some holes that are designed where you can't even hit driver, where if you hit it 325 yards, you're either in like the water or the creek or some type of craziness where it won't even work. So I do think this week there will be some guys out there doing some crazy shit, you know, hitting a whole bunch of bombs. But this week, more than last week, I think it's going to be a less than driver course. Now, the, the, the on approach shots, golfers are – or we'll see some of the smallest greens on tour with slight undulation and an upside down bowl configuration, which could lead approaches that, which could make approaches that land on the edge of the greens more likely to roll off, leaving golfers as tricky up and downs for par. Uh, the greens usually play on the slower side with a stint meter, not average, with a stint meter rating of around 11. And the grass used is Tiff Eagle Bermuda. Golfers need to be accurate with their approaches, not only because of the small size of the greens, but also because of the obstacles around the greens. There are bunkers around almost every hole, and water will be a factor on a few greens as well. Uh, another bit of trouble the golfers will face, of course, like I said earlier, are the overhanging trees. And this actually comes into the account on approach shots as well. There's a couple of holes where there's like trees on both sides of the green. It almost looks like a field goal post. So if you hit like if you're hitting on the right side of the green, there's that tree, that tree might knock it down, even though if, you know, on other courses, it would be a great shot. So that's something to think of, um, you know, uh, so, so uh, only 57% of greens are hit at Harbor town. And even with light winds, these greens will still be missed. And you saw it last year. Scrambling is going to be important. Three of the top four uh, finishers last year hit less than 60% of the greens. Campbell, what are you looking for this week? Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus. The bulbous walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Yeah, in the spirit of time, I think we'll use some of what you just said and just speed it up because it's what it's pretty much exactly as you just described it, right? I think the one thing you know the, that I'll bring up is the conversation around the bombers that you sort of hit on or, or mentioned a little there is just around, you know, it's they can't do that at this one. It's not the same as last week as, as what they can just do to bomb it out there, like you said. So that will take some thoughts into consideration when you talk about a guy like Bryson here in a minute, where you know he wasn't he wasn't bad, but I'm saying he wasn't great around the greens or with his putter. Could that bounce back? Of course it could, but with him losing some of the distance, will that bring him out of it? I don't know. It's Bryson, but it seems like he's going to pick up a ton of ownership and there's other guys around him. So we can get right into it, Kenny. I, I think it's going to be, like you said, the approach around the green, scrambling in general, putting, you know, there's only because you have the smaller greens and most people miss, it comes down to, you know, the five to 15 foot range putts. And that's really it. There's not like bombs to be made. So it really is guys like that. I remember, um, looking at a stat or something for Hatton, and he crushes in that category. So it's just an example when we get down going through some of the guys. 
Sounds good. Let's start. Let's go ahead and look at these uh, tiers for this week in the 10K range. We have Colin Morikawa all the way up to Rory McIlroy. We actually got, what, six golfers this week in that range instead of three or four we had last week. Who do you like? Yeah, they did do that. They added a little bit more, and that changes things for sure. Uh, I think one thing I'll note right off the top as far as strategy goes and, and thought process of last week versus this week, it looks like uh, you know people are going to go for those balanced builds here just because when we get down to the 8K range, I'll just bring it up at the top because it still affects with talking about the, the top. Um, there's not as many good quote-unquote scrubs as what we saw last week uh, with the bottom pricing. You'll have to sort of be a little bit more uh, you know, I just, it's going to feel a little bit more weird to click them into your lineup where people are saying, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to have him or do I really want to have two of them? You got to get a little bit more uncomfortable because at the end of the day, that's what I see happening here. You got Rory, JT, Bryson, Rom, Xander, all, all these guys. The ones that are, you know, stand out a little bit for me are going to be JT right away. Uh, still like him, really don't care. You know, he didn't have anything going on Sunday. I mentioned it earlier about having the approach game on fire and then completely missing putts. I just don't see, even on Saturday, he said it after the round. I think it was a 66 that he shot. And yeah, and he said basically the same thing I was thinking. Like, man, he didn't even have it. And he was putting up a 66. So I think he's a fair price at 10-9. You know, I mentioned about Bryson, still a little bit unsure at this moment. I'm not really big on Rom, Xander at that price. But Rory, I am still interested in. And mainly just because, you know, it feels like people will go off of him. The, uh, you know, Sunday that he had obviously wasn't great. But before that, his first three rounds were actually pretty good. And usually, and we talked about this last week, I wasn't high on him at all last week because of the fact he normally could put up like a fifth to 10th. And that's kind of what it looked like he was at least trending for at a bare minimum. And then he just really went off and did his own thing on Sunday. Uh, Kind of like a guy here last year. If you remember DJ last year, we thought he was going to crush it at Heritage on Sunday. And then he ended up shooting a 77 and put himself completely out of the tournament. That's kind of what Rory did last week. I still like him. I know he's got the all-around game. He's the best in the world. You don't need to harp on that to tell anybody, but I just think people are going to avoid these builds. So Rory, JT at the top, my first pivot of the week is going to be, and just to clarify, people asked about this, you know, getting some more eyes and ears and DMs and stuff. People hit me up. You know, it doesn't mean a complete fade. What it means is I'll probably be underweight on a guy that I think is going to be overweight at the start of the week. Obviously things change and that's why we have other content and shows and ownership projections and things that come out. This is sort of a first look overview with in-depth thoughts based on that first look. But Morikawa at 10K, one, his price went up. You know, he's best iron player that I've seen for a long time between, you know, one of the best, I should say. There's lots here, JT's, M, all these guys we'll get to. Matsuyama showing back up at this tournament. But my, my pivot would be to say this. I'm not as high on Morikawa as I am M. I think M's in an odd price point. I think people either want to go down and get back to some of the guys we'll talk to in a second or else get in those balance ranges. I, if any other week, you know, before last week when we saw what Morikawa did, people would say there's no denying Morikawa's talent but obviously they would take him. So now it seems like this week, because he's still just at 10K, it didn't go any higher. It just went just enough. But people still probably want to play Morikawa. I'm still going to play more him than Morikawa. At the, the savings, I know it's only 300 bucks, but just in my opinion, he was just getting warmed up. He did have to knock a little bit of rust off, as we sort of talked about could be the case. And it was definitely a fine showing for being able to just knock off some rust. What are you doing up here at the top? Uh, I mean, I'm going with two guys this week uh, to start. I mean, I might add a third, but my first is going to be Rory. I'm not going to worry too much about last week uh, when it comes to him. He is the best Pete Dye golfer uh, in this field. You know, first in strokes game total, tee to green, ball striking, off the tee, second in approach in his last 50 rounds in this, you know, in this field in the last 50 rounds on Pete Dye courses specifically. Uh, You know, and I think he can bounce back after a horrible, I mean, the thing is like, 
I think he finished with like two or three birdies to finish around after it looked like he was going to shoot 80. He ended up a hole out, a bunker seven. hole out. Yeah. yeah, it only looked like he was shooting 74. He shot 74. It looked like he was going to shoot 80. And so he had a little bit of a bounce back towards the end. I'm not too worried about 13 crappy holes. I mean, he had one good round, a couple of average rounds. He has two good rounds and a couple of average rounds uh, this week he'll win. You know, just because that's how good he is. So, and it's a five hundred dollars price break from last week as well. So, I'm gonna, I like Rory, and I'm going to play Bryson. I, I don't know if it's possible to fade Bryson on any course. I mean, even though this course isn't driver heavy, uh, he, last week wasn't either, but he did hit a lot of drivers. Now he's not probably not going to do that this week. But his iron game was spectacular last week too. You know, I mean, so I, that's why I like Bryson. If he gets that putter back, you know, to, to, to average. Uh, you know, I think that, that he'd be fine because that's where he's been a decent above average putter for most of this season, uh, even though he looks stiff as a board. I don't know. That whole stroke was awful. But I mean, like it's been working for him. So those are the two guys I'm going up top. And if we go down to the 9K range, I'm going to tally off you. Uh, my first cash game cornerstone pick is going to be Sung JM. He's just been so consistent. Uh, you know, the guy is just a cut maker and then he ends up always being in contention. Like if you if you heard about him during the, the 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 quarantine he worked hard on his short game because he thought that was the weakest part of the game and he gained almost two strokes with his with on the short game he was like 33rd in strokes gained around the green last week and you, you combine that with how well his irons have been uh so much better this year uh, at that price point i think it's a great place to start so i do like sungjae uh, a bunch this week, and he will be my first cash game cornerstone. Um, other guys I do like in this 9K range, um, I do like Justin Rose a little bit. I think. Oh, and one more thing about uh, Sung Jae, his best putting surface is Bermuda. So there you go. Sung Jae, first cash game cornerstone. I do like Justin Rose as well. Uh, I think he showed – I think the, the clubs are really a big difference. Like he, he was striking the ball so well, uh, you know, this past week. And so I think this is a course where – Another shorter course like last week. I'm a fan. He's a good Pete Dye guy. Like I think he's a uh, you know fifth in strokes gained tee to green in the last in this field in the last 50 rounds on Pete Dye courses. And I think I have a sprinkle of web. Now he, he burned the hell out of so many people last week as the highest owned. So you know his ownership is going to be cut a bunch from the 26% it was last week. And the thing is, like he really showed up a little bit on Friday. I think he was rusty. Uh, you know, I think that's all what it came down to because his iron play improved tremendously uh, on Friday and his putter was just off the whole week. And usually, you know, for the last year and a half, he's been one of the best putters on tour. So I don't mind going back to him as well. Who do you like? It's a small range here. I mean, one more note just above, I wanted to go back is with Bryson. We didn't even mention it, but he also has the, he's like the only real course history guy from anybody at the top. So it's just another reason. So I think he was third in 2018, fourth in 2016, has all the momentum coming in, all the talk around him. You and I had this uh, back and forth debate on Rory last week, which I won. I, I think I won, by the way. And, yeah. and we, were, yeah. we were going back and you. forth on I that. Yeah. I know. But I'm going to say the same about Bryce. I just want to make that stand here now. So I'm not, I don't know if I'll completely go off him, but I'm just, I'm just the more we talk about it, and I said I was sort of debating it, I wanted to finish up my thoughts on it. So anyway – Moving on, the range is so tiny. Like I said, I'm already on him. I like him more than using a guy above, like uh, Morikawa, and I haven't really decided on Xander either. But uh, Matsuyama, we, last time we saw him, he was just dominating. I know that uh, my rule is normally 10K and above. I don't play him, and, he, and no, that falls within the rule. He's underneath 9,500. I don't think he's going to be that popular. People are going to want to play more people. 
that played last week because they just have seen it and have history. Uh, again, it's an interesting price because I think it's good as far as upside ownership, everything that's involved, it'll be a good spot. But at the same time, I don't know. It's, it's not like when we had, you know, just Jordan Spieth, sorry, at 8,000 and even at 8,700, we'll get to in a minute where you can sort of make the call if he doesn't have to do everything for you. Um, so I'm not sure about starting lineups with Matsuyama as the anchor, but I think you using him with somebody from the top might make you pretty unique in the, in the tournaments this week. Justin Rose pissed me off so much, uh, but it's like you said, I don't know if it's the clubs or what or headspace or all these factors uh, of just, you know, relieving himself from Hanma and getting that, you know, monkey, if you want to call it off his back. But at, the, at this point, he really did have his old, you know, if you look up, you know, statistics people were using for last week, this week, or looking at super long term, you've just got that great long term golfer back. He had everything. He was making shots that were impossible out of bunkers, out of, you know, balls that were just plugged basically and putting that to the green he was putting his approach on on Sunday didn't quite have his putter that he had in the previous days so the all-around game was there Uh, Webb is still another debate too because the only reason I I don't want to commit is because it feels like he's still going to be he's the guy that everyone's going to say you know let's get back on him when he just burned everyone but that means 30% Webb again or 25% Webb again because the price actually went down and he is still so good so probably be underweight on Webb but I do like M. Decky and Rose, just to say the whole range. That's where I'm at with the three out of the four. All right, I'll go ahead and start the AK range because my final three cash game cornerstones are going to be in this range. So, of course, I'm definitely going super balanced when it comes to these cash game cornerstones. So, and, the second, and another thing you'll notice about my cash game cornerstones is they all played last week. That's something that I mentally that I like doing this week uh, just because they have a couple of rounds in, uh, in their belt minimum. So I like Patrick Reed as my second cash game cornerstone at $8,800. I think his short game uh, is going to, is one is, is, is great. Uh, I think that'll help him when he misses the greens iron play. Definitely way above average uh, probably first in strokes game par four uh, in this field in the last 50 rounds. Hit, making a ton of birdies third and birdie are better. Uh, birdies are better gained in this field in the last 50 rounds. Uh, you know, good from 175 to 200. You'll see a bunch of approach shots from that range and really good from on um, par four efficiency from 400 to 450 and 450 to 500. I think like something like nine of the 11 par fours are going to be in those two ranges. So I really like Patrick Reed uh, as my second cash game cornerstone. My third cash game cornerstone is going to be Matt Kuchar. Again, the villain, I'm going back-to-back with him, even though he screwed me again uh, last week. Uh, but, again, he, he double-bogeyed the final hole, the missed the cut on the number, uh, knocking off Rust. Probably the premier Pete Dye player, uh, golfer, in this field. I mean, he just crushes Pete Dye courses. I can't remember the last cut that he missed here. And, of course, since I said that, it could be the announcer's curse, but whatever. But he's second in strokes gained tee to green uh, in the last 50 rounds on Pete Dye courses. Eighth in draft king points in the last 50 rounds on Pete Dye courses. Iron play off the tee. Everything is extremely solid whenever he gets to these technical type Pete Dye courses. So he's going to be my third cash game cornerstone. And my final cash game cornerstone is going to be Abraham Abraham answer at 8,000 even. Uh, the guy, like I said last week, has just been crushing co- short courses for the last eight, nine months. Uh, and he did it again last week. And his game looks like it's, you know, it looks like he's on the verge to me of a win. Uh, it's going to happen sooner than later. I know we've been saying that for a while with him, but it just, to me, that's what it looks like. Uh, with him, uh, the way that he's playing. I mean, he's playing such solid, solid golf. Uh, so uh, Abraham Answer is going to be my fourth cash game cornerstone. So my four cash game cornerstones this week are going to be Sung J.M. at 9,700, 
Patrick Reed at 8,800, Matt Kuchar at 8,300, and Abraham Answer at 8,000. This still leaves you $15,300 left to fill out the rest of your lineups. Uh, and I'll probably play GDP wise, uh, you know, like I said, a sprinkle of Spieth, and I'll play some Woodland as well. Again, another less than driver course. You all know that's his shit. Uh, Tampa, who do you like? Yeah, you didn't talk about DJ or Kepka. I thought, or Spieth. You didn't talk about any of those guys, 85, 86, 87. That's the range. So give me your thoughts on that first, and then I'll tell you where I'm at. I like Kepka better out of the three. Uh, he had some, again, his putting wasn't that great. He had, it looked like he had some good moments uh, last week. DJ looks like Spieth like six months ago, a year ago. You know what I'm saying? Like the way he's playing, you're like, what the hell is going on? Uh, so I, I don't believe in him yet. And Spieth, like I said, sprinkled. Okay. So yeah, for starters, just to go back through it. So um, I'll start from the bottom up because it's fitting. You got answer. And my second pivot is going to be to go off answer and move to the most recent winner besides Daniel Berger. Just people will forget about it, but Terrell Hatton at 8,000. That's a, a pretty good price in my opinion for this guy. Like I said, I mentioned the stat earlier with the, the short putts. He's got pretty much, you know, my opinion, one of the better all around games down in this price range, you know, puts it, can place it where he wants in the fairway. I know yet we haven't got to see him, we don't know what he's been doing. Can probably look up his Twitter after and find out a little bit more, but just hopped off the page at me right out of the gate at 8,000 straight. So I'll, I'll take him over answer, even though I'm an answer truther, uh, you know, I got to just go with my guy here. I do like Hatton uh, at 8,000 going up Finau back to the well, I think again, fits well here. We, anytime we've seen him has a pretty good around the green game when he gets it going solid on approach good at placing the ball, accurate, that sort of thing. Good field, strong field player, like him, 8,200, fair price. Kucher, who you mentioned, just so you know, I, I can see the last 12. I think he's 12 for 12 made cuts. His last six, he's got four top 11s with a second and a fifth, and then a win out of the last six times he's played it. So, I mean, he's got quite the good history here. Like him for cash, like you mentioned, not sure how popular he's going to be. Definitely going to double down on Woodland at 8,400. I really don't get that price and I'll take the risk there, chalk or not. You're, we're on the same page with Brooks over DJ. So I, I do like that call. Uh, he kind of picked it up at the end. He, he started out and sort of, you know, don't give a fuck mode on Sunday and then came back and bounced back near the end of that round. I think had three or four birdies by the end of the thing on Sunday. So it's, you know, it wasn't that he wasn't trying. It just didn't pan out the way he wanted to. And then it, you know, in the back, he kept going. So uh, I'll go back to him. The ones I'm not really as high on are Berger and Reed. Just like I said, a lot of the stuff I saw him do, can they do it again? Of course. Are they good around the green on the putting surface, et cetera? Berger, 28 rounds under par. They're going to get a lot of love and talk out in the industry. But for me, uh, I'm really just the guys from Kepka down and then making a decision on speed. Like I said, I, I think I have room for a little bit of him, but it'll be interesting to see where he lands. I just think, like I say, from a DFS perspective, he's still at the right price where he can score and get you enough and then just hope and hang on again for the next roller coaster ride. Well, if you look at narrative, if you want to talk about narratives when it comes to Reed this week, he's sixth in the world right now. And everyone remembers his proclamation five years ago that I'm a top five player in the world. Well, he can do it this week. Uh, I think that's going to be on his mind. Definitely narrative. The stats line up for him too. So I, I, I like Reed. Uh, let's move on to the 7K range. Go ahead, Tambo. Yeah, so I'll finish it out, I guess. So I'll drop down here to the well, 7K range is kind of big. Well, I'll start from 7,500 up. So uh, going through it, I, you know, Joel Damon had a great week last week. Definitely going to be back on him. I like him a little more than Poston there. Uh, Poston was picking it up on Sunday. I think he'll get some love, but I, I like Joel Damon. Brant Snedeker is back in the field. I really am not sure. I want to see if I can find some more information. But if you want someone who's great around the green, 
who, you know, putting everything as far as this is concerned, DK scoring, all, all that stuff for 7,500, I think would be more than fine. I was trying to pull up here uh, his course history just to see. I think it's um, just one second. I apologize, guys. I had it in front of me and I lost it. Uh, yeah, solid course history here. Previous winner, you know, 48th, 23rd, 11th in his last three visits. Again, interesting coming off the last-minute decision last week to not play where he sort of just fell out of the, off the board and went out. No real details on it. People were wondering about coronavirus, all that. Clearly, it looks like that wasn't the case if he's in the field here now. So uh, I like him. Victor Hovland, another guy, you know, great Sunday. You know, just he's been that warrior. People forgot about him. I had him in showdown and talked about him a little bit, but – uh, it just didn't, you know, actually go well with the rest of the guys that I have. And, and bottom line is he's the Sunday warrior. He had another good Sunday with like a 66 or a 65 or something. So uh, I like Hovland at 7,600. And then the only other guys that I really like here are back to the well with Fitzpatrick and back to the well with Billy Horschel. Again, you mentioned it, guys that played last week that I liked last week. I don't have any problem doubling down on them before I'll go play guys like Kokrak and Grace who just, you know, while they might have course history and be fits for the course, came out of nowhere last week, and I'm not really expecting to see the same thing again. So that, that's sort of where I'm at in the upper range. Kenny, what do you got? Uh, I like Kisner. Um, he played decent last week, not the best. But, I mean, again, another guy, this is his type of course. It's, we're back on Bermuda Greens. That's his chisel. He loves Bermuda. Uh, good scrambler. He's uh, good from 450 to 500 yards. I like Kisner. I like Hovland, like you said. Iron play, T to green is solid. Really good. Excuse me. From 175 to 200 yards, uh, you'll see a bunch of approaches from that range. I think he's second in the field in the last 50 rounds um, from 175 to 150. I like Victor. I like Ian Poulter, uh, you know, course history guy. Uh, he did play decent last week as well, top 30s. He's been playing pretty good golf uh, this season. Uh, again, another guy who thrives on Bermuda Greens. Uh, going down, I like Joel Dahlman as well. Going down a little bit lower, I like Bubba. Another Pete Dye guy, which is weird because it doesn't seem like it would fit his game that, you know, that make, make Pete Dye courses his thing. Uh, but, you know, he's like uh, 16th in strokes game tee to green on Pete Dye courses in the last 50 rounds. Uh, really good off the tee. He's third in strokes game off the tee at Pete Dye courses in the last 50 rounds in this field. And, you know, it's most of those Pete Dye courses are less than driver courses. And so, you know, that sort of shocked me since everyone knows him for being such a long hitter. I think the, the, the dog legs and the different shot shapes that you have to have on a Pete Dye course really plays to Bubba's game. So I like Bubba and I like Joaquin the Dream uh, Neiman down here a, a little bit as well at uh, what, 7,300, 7,400. Iron play solid, really good from 150 to 175. You'll see a lot of approaches from there good from longer par four you'll see a bunch from 450 to 500 yards so i like joaquin who do you like yeah i'm hoping he doesn't get very popular he was actually gonna be my third i think a lot of guys will go back after connor's great ball striker another great week best on you know one of the best on approach all that stuff i don't hate him i just i like neiman more neiman sort of had that going he didn't really have his full game last week from the looks of it so i'll take neiman over connor's for my third and then you know you mentioned poulter who i forgot i like him uh, I like Bubba for sure. You mentioned that. I don't think, you know, Bubba never gets to be kind of like a guy I'll mention in a second, but Bubba doesn't get to be too popular ever. And I'm not sure if he will after this, but again, if when people are looking at it's the bombers can't do anything here, all that, again, it's a different caliber. It's a creative shot guy on a creative shot course that actually had his game come back around last week. And if that holds, you're going to get great value for 7,400. So I like Bubba talked about Neiman. The other guy I said, I was going to mention just a second ago is Rory Sabatini. 
Uh, this is a guy that just nobody wants to play him ever for whatever reason. He's played here a lot since 2009. He's got four top tens, including last year where he finished 10th, 7,200, didn't touch his price, good around the greens, good touch, all, all that stuff. And he was on last week. So I like him. Brian Harmon, a little taste. Um, our boy McNeely, I think will be, you know, again, nobody will really be on him. He's fine there. Patrick Rogers had a great Sunday. And then the last yeah, I like one, Matt. I like Matt. Uh, the, the last one in his range is Russell Henley. Uh, again, people probably won't be on him at all. And just incredible. Like he's, he was on, he was coming on at the Honda and getting it going. I believe at uh, either he played the players and got it going or he didn't play them. And it was from Honda, but I know somewhere I saw that he gained just a bunch of strokes at Honda and Genesis on approach. And then, you know, Tita green, great game. And then obviously everything shut down. But at 7,100, one thing I'll note that we, you know, we didn't mention at all really, but it's just, it looks like a lot of the guys that had it going before still kept it going besides some of the rust that they had to knock off. But Berger was a prime example. Guy that had it going before, stuck with it, kept it rolling. So, I mean, it's a guy like that for me in Henley at 7,100. I really like him down here uh, for a tournament play. I like that Henley call for GPPs. I think he, he's like a boomer bust, you know, dude. And so I, and that's what you, you know, you're going to get you that want. at GPPs, you know, especially at extremely low loan ownership. And I think that's what you're going to get with Henley. So I like that call. Go ahead and go into the 6K range, Tambo. Yeah, not not as much going on here this week for me. Like, there's still a lot of guys down here. And there's, you know, the guys that I mentioned, well, some of them have gained on approach last week and whatnot. But a couple stood out. I mean, Tringali way down at 6,400. Again, not a guy that was, you know, lights out or anything. But before, we were sort of on him. He had a good Honda. A good Genesis again, then it got shut down, but he was dialed in from, you know, T to green on approach had, had the putter going a little bit, but nothing that was causing the results. So for, for those couple of results, I like Tringali at 6,400, um, Burgoon go right back to him. Sam Burns missed him last week. Love him. You don't want to be on him as a, you know, Bermuda Burns, they say, and, and he was pretty good. I want to say, uh, here last year, I think he had some fallout on Sunday, but, uh, and I apologize guys, cause I'm working from a different sheet than I'm used to. But uh, I'm just scrolling through on my other screen here, and I see him. Yeah, ninth last year is what he finished. Uh, and then Brian Stewart stood out at 6,600. Another guy that last week had a pretty good week. Really didn't have his best stuff with the putter or anything like that, but it's not really something that he – he's not really the greatest putter. He's just sort of a, a mid-range, but solid around the green play. And if you can carry that over here at 6,600, that'd be pretty solid. Uh, and then just to round it out, got to go back to my crush – Emiliano Grillo, I'll try him again. 6,800. I'll just never let this go. Uh, same thing last week. Somehow he was, he's already a bad putter. He was triple worse than, than he is usually as far as strokes game perspective. But his approach and everything was all on fire again. So maybe these smaller greens, he, you know, he can get it up there, do a little work around the greens, get it tight, and make the shorter putts and, and get away with that. And then obviously he's going to hit a lot of greens if he does keep his irons on. So I'll always go back to him at 6,800. Yeah, I'm with you on Tringali, Burns, and Stewart. We don't talk about our picks before we, we went on, and it was weird that those are like my first three that I were going to talk about. So you already went through that. We'll go ahead and skip that. I do like those three guys. Uh, other guys that I'll play in this range, Ryan Moore, uh, a little bit, you know, mostly, most of the time, good iron player, good with his approaches from 150 to 175, and 175 to 200, always solid there, really good on par fours. Uh, so I like Ryan Moore. I got to go back to see Woo. I mean, like, it's a Pete Dye course, so you sort of have to play Siwoo Kim, right, uh, in tournaments. I mean, that's just the way he is. Like, if you look at his ranking, uh, he's sixth in the field or fifth in the field in strokes gained tee to green in the last 50 rounds on Pete Dye courses in this field. He's first in strokes gained around the green on Pete Dye courses. Uh, this guy just for some reason just shows up. 
when it comes to Pete Dye. We've seen it yeah. a couple times in the past. So I got to play him, probably limited, but I'm going to play him. And then uh, my last one is going to be a shout out to Sundog Monkey Martin, uh, who we had on the show for the players. Really good guy. I've met him down in the players. He was talking about Matthew Naismith, uh, who I guess this is his home course. Uh, he got married at the course uh, or engaged at the course. He's uh, you know a South Carolina guy. Uh, I guess, you know, if he lives there, I'm hoping he played this course a bunch during the break. I'm not really sure about that. But at like, I think near minimum, oh, what is it, not minimum? He's uh, 6,600. I'll go ahead and throw him in there. And actually, if you look at it, you know, he hasn't played that many. Um, he's only played the die courses twice, so I'm actually not going to bring that up. But, you know, I think maybe he has a chance here uh, at some place he feels comfortable with. Anybody we missed him on. No, I don't mind that. I mean, like you said, he, he's actually been pretty good. He's gained on approach like seven of his last eight. So, you know, if that he can bring that, he made the cut at the Charles Schwab coming off. Now, like you say, he gets a little bit more comfortability. So uh, I think that's a good play. The other thing I was going to mention is I, you just reminded me of one of the most tilting experiences of all time. Uh, remember when Siwoo was in the mix with Kadira? And I think they were going to the playoff and everyone had to fucking listen to it on PGA radio. Yeah, trying yeah, to sweat yeah. out. We, we had bets and we had, you know, DFS. I think that was the big week Mayo won. So uh, like 10 or 20 K on DraftKings and everyone was following along. And yeah, it was just the worst sweat ever having to listen to it on PGA radio. Cause something happened and with the coverage, but yeah, I don't mind that call either for, for big, you know, fields. Uh, there is a million maker this week. I know everyone's talking about that a little bit for different reasons, but I think if you are going to play some of these large field tournaments, it's definitely uh, plays like Matthew Neesmith and you know, your guy that you just mentioned and Siwoo Kim that you could fit in there get some real good upside if they make the cut and, and make a top 20 or something. So other than that, not much else. Kenny, you got any bets for this week? Yeah, let's do the uh, betting segment. So I'm going, here's one thing I will say about the betting. I would save some money for the final round. Yeah. Uh, because I think like the last, uh, most of the winners in the last decade have come back from like three or four strokes on Sunday. Uh, I don't know many people that have had the lead going into Sunday in this event, this decade or this past decade that actually held off. So, you know, there's a lot of value at this tournament when it comes to Sunday. And I hit uh, last week on a, on, a, on a late night Sunday bet, which I didn't remember because of Crown Royal. Uh, but, it, you know, it worked out. So I'd save some money for that. But I got six like usual. My day, my weekly six pack. I'm going Justin Rose, 28 to 1. <coughs> Kepka, 40 to 1. That number is just, uh, you know, up there for him like last week. And I think he can, I think he's going to improve. Answer at 50 to 1. Bubba at 66 to 1. Domin at 80 to one Neiman hundred to one. Who you got? Yeah, I got five only. Cause you named the, the key point I was going to mention is again, you get some guys coming from behind on Sunday. So, you know, leave a little bit of powder behind, but I'm, I'm going to go with Morikawa again. Don't care. And it's again, you might be able to get more value on him on a Sunday, but I'll take the 25 up front. Uh, some places had it even higher. I just went with what my book had 25 is good. Uh, Woodland. I opted to go for Woodland over, Kepka in this range and again it's just us versus the book so it's not like a pivot or anything I'm just saying I feel like everyone automatically bets the Kepka number because of past history and whatever Woodland is just in my opinion playing better golf bottom line has been better even held him off at Pebble Beach so I mean it's not like he can't outduel and again it's us versus the books who cares but 40 to 1 with Woodland I like Hatton who I mentioned I got 60 to 1 with the each way top six Neiman I only got 90 but I got the each way top six so I'll take that and then my, my guy there, Henley, 150 to one with the each way top six. I like that one as well. And then we'll see, like I said, other things that will come up throughout the tournament. There's nothing else I'm really in love with at this time. All right. So let's do, we forgot to do one and done last week. I went Corey Connors. And so he finished what 19th, not the worst to just throw. I wanted to throw out some, 
somebody who wasn't like, you know, top notch this week. I'm going with a Texican, uh, Abraham answer born in Texas, but is Mexican. So he's a Texican. So I, I'm going with Abraham answer. I think the win is coming for him and these short courses are his shit. So I'm going to go answer as my cash game cornerstone this week. Uh, not, my oh, one, my one and done. Sorry. Yeah. We he's, gotta also, sit, we, he's also we a gotta cash sit. game cornerstone. Yeah. So he's both. Oh yeah, he was too. I was yeah. gonna say otherwise we got your fifth play. I can't remember. Yeah. I, I just wanted to think if we could get your fifth play off you this week. So uh, for me, uh, it looks like yeah, I'm probably gonna again a little bit of hedge life here because I mentioned it with the bet with Morikawa, but I'll probably use him in one and done just because I, I think he can do something again. But like I say for for daily fantasy, I kind of like him and Matsuyama right there underneath them. Even Xander above might not get much love at the 10.2 tag. So just looking out for that. Make make sure you keep an eye on things like ownership projections and whatnot. But uh, I'll go with Cor- call Morikawa. For one and done. All right, go ahead and tell them where they can find you, Tambo. Yeah, rotogrinders.com, guys. Did my pre- first preview video today where I, I just called a recap video where I'll, it'll be free every Monday, though. It's a free preview for everybody who wants to check out the site. Can go on and see that video, go through some of the recap with me. I recapped the Millie Maker, the 555, the 2120, and then the $3.20 max. Went through my best lineup, sort of things that I built around and, and lineup construction and that. And then Wednesday, I'll be on with St. Louis Cardinals. Um, and we'll go through sort of the lineup HQ, the build, the pool for the week. And then Saturday I did a round four showdown show. That'll continue as well. So uh, everything you can find over at rotogrinders.com. If you don't follow me, hit me up on Twitter at Totag and Tambo. I'll just post out all the updates as they come out throughout the week and things that you can get access to and then any promotions that we'll have in the future. You can find me at gupscorner.com. Uh, my article's already out. It's, of course, preview, uh, strategy, stats to look for. And then later on in the week, I'll add my favorite non-cash game cornerstone cash plays. Um, you can also use promo code DGEN20. Go ahead and get yourself 20% off a subscription to Gup's Corner. You want to get on that? I mean, I was on the e- Gup's Corner E9 pod last week where I actually got the two things I got right uh, last week. I actually named on that pod. Uh, you know, I had I, I pivoted from JT to Bryson, which wasn't that big of a difference. But with the ownership, I went that way uh, by Wednesday when we recorded. And I also announced the uh, Connors top 20 bet as my favorite bet of the week uh, last week on the E9 pod. And I'll be, I won't be on there every week, but I will be on there uh, at least once a month. So you can go on gupscorner.com, use promo code DGEN20. All right, I can't wait for another great week of golf. Last week was awesome. Hopefully this week gets even better. Let's win some motherfucking money. E-Gen Nation. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. With 24-7 support and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Today tastes like heading out the door and driving into town. It tastes like grabbing snacks and a Coke and singing as loud as you can. Today tastes like anything could happen. And it never tasted this good. Summer tastes better with Coca-Cola. Wherever you're going this week, don't forget to grab an ice-cold, refreshing Coca-Cola from 7-Eleven. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, 
but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.